and welcome back to iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on social media at iProperty Radio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. In the PropTech hot seat today are Ollie Far- Farago, um, sorry, Farago, uh, CEO, and David Oates, CRO of Coyote. Uh, gentlemen, you're very welcome, Ollie. I almost got your name right. It was a good start. <laughs> Thank you very much. We're uh, very pleased to be here. Yeah, thanks, Carol. Uh, you're very welcome. So, Coyote, tell us tell us a little bit more about Coyote. So, Coyote is effectively a CRM, but specifically for commercial real estate. So, instead of tracking companies, instead of tracking sales opportunities, we are tracking properties, tenants, the relationships between them, so that anything that our clients know about their market is stored within one place, and then they can easily access it. And then we layer on top the processes involved in buying, managing, and selling commercial real estate. So we help them deal with agent introductions and which ones they're going to accept. Then they, when that becomes a deal, we help them manage the whole transaction all the way to completion. And finally, we help them aggregate all of the data together on the properties that they own and manage so that they have a holistic 360 view of all their interactions with, with their real estate and tenants. I'm conscious that the first iteration of Coyote uh, was going back almost a decade and a half. Now, over the past half a decade, commercial property has really been transformed quite a lot. So actually talk to us about the evolution of the platform, because, again, the marketplace has changed so much. Yeah, so in 2008, we a bunch of us left a previous business called uh, called Halberton, and we knew that we wanted to set up a new company, but we had six months where we were contractually restricted from going and talking to any investors. And so we had this absolutely unique opportunity where we had a commercial real estate team with 100 years probably of, of experience. Um, yeah, we had a blank sheet of paper to really look at how we could build an asset management platform from the ground up. Um, I was the chief technology officer, so it was my job to go out and look for what systems we could buy and plug together to really power an asset management platform like ours. And what we found was is that there wasn't anything out there. And not only that, there weren't really any vendors that truly understood the challenges and the pain points of a platform like ours. And so we kind of took the decision with nothing out there to buy that we had no, no, no option but to build it. And so I kind of went down into the basement and started tapping away because I had a, a sort of coding and development background. And then six months later in April 2009, we launched our real estate business, M7 Real Estate, with an in-house technology platform that we called Coyote. Um, and quite quickly, you know, as you say, it, you know, the market's transformed a lot in the last five years, but in 2009, there was very little tech out there whatsoever. And so it gave us this incredible edge and this incredible unique selling point when going out and talking to investors where we could say, look, let us show you how we manage data better than anybody else in the market. And, you know, it, it made a real difference. And so we kept it, it then gave us the, the, the kind of enthusiasm to keep investing it, to keep growing. And as we found, you know, real pain points and challenges in our business we can add features to the platform that solve those. So it just, you know, very naturally just evolved to, 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 to be this, you know, really, really powerful, powerful platform. Um, and it helped us, you know, grow a lot up until about 2017. And then in 2017, we started turning around and, and, and we said to us, ourselves like, 
do we really need a software platform as a USP anymore? Or actually, is our USP our eight-year track record in, in, you know, in raising funds and exiting them? You know, it's the data that we've collected over eight years, not the tech itself. Um, and so and we decided that we would spin it out into a separate business, which is the Coyote business that we are today, and start selling it to the wider commercial real estate community. And that's what we've been doing for the last five years. That's a really interesting transition. Um, and I'm because it was effectively custom designed for your portfolio, uh, how did your competitors respond to that in the marketplace? Um, it's a really good question. I think certainly initially, um, it was a very common question. It was like, oh, okay, but you know, is this, if, you know, we were thought of very much as M7 system and there was this belief like, mm, does that mean that in some way M7 get access to the data? And of course it was never the case, you know, A, we knew that we could never build a software company if we, if there was, you know, we didn't respect the strictest, you know, uh, confidentiality and that was contractually enforced as well as everything else but of course you know it was something that we constantly had to talk about we had to explain and we had to get people comfortable with um, and then I just think over five years you know we've grown a lot we've got over 60 clients now including you know publicly listed funds and uh, and so it's, it's today much less of an issue but it definitely is something that you have to get people's heads around yeah I, I don't to be honest in the last few months we haven't seen it at all no and we are now dealing with talking to even larger public funds as you would expect today and no, so, nobody brings it up anymore no because they're such a you know relatively speaking you know a very small part of our overall yeah. um income but yeah it's an interesting transition yeah no I, I can imagine so because actually for any technology provider coming in trust is such a huge thing and credibility and people want to know the pedigree um and they want to know where you're coming from and your journey just a, again because I, I one of the things we've seen over the past six or seven years, like for a product like CRM, um, I don't think there's many companies buying in uh, a solution that where they haven't had anything so far. So either you're coming in to correct previous bad purchases or to build on um, previous ones. So when you're coming into a, a new customer now, um, because they already have some sort of a system in place, I would imagine, or is that the case for many people? No, not really, because when we talk about a CRM, if you think about Salesforce, for example, that's all about people, contacts, deal progression, forecasting, but it's talking about the people that are related to that. We are talking about inanimate objects here. So nobody's done that CRM for CRE as a kind of buzzword. Um, actually, what we're seeing is we're talking to companies still that, are you, that everything's based on Excel. I think the rip and replace kind of approach is probably five years away. Really? Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're seeing, you know, there's one or two players in the US that do point solutions, part of what we do. There's not really a lot in Europe. Um, so I think in five years, we'll have people trying to rip and replace Coyote. But at the moment, we're ripping and replacing Excel. Um, and, and frankly, still, you know, daybooks, you know, emails being forwarded round, shared drives where PDFs are dragged and dropped. We, that's what we compete against more than anything else. And you'd think that's a good thing because, oh, well, that's great because there's nothing out there and you can just, you know, slot straight in. But actually, that's not necessarily the case because we have to educate the market as to why suddenly you should be paying a SaaS subscription where at the moment, 
you know, people feel like Excel is free. And so, yeah, there's a lot of education required. That's a really interesting one. You know, it's amazing that the more we interview different uh, prop tech solutions and providers, we can really see uh, the niches in the market where maybe um, were well served in the past and those that actually weren't even tapped into. So that's a really interesting point. So in a way, CRM is almost uh, almost a misleading term because that would be customer yeah. relationship management. So what would you be in Asset, uh, yeah, an asset relationship. ARM, yeah. ARM, whatever. Um, we should come up with a really good acronym for that. Yeah. Um, but I come, my background is I started in the um, prop tech space when it wasn't a prop tech space with Argus Software and then the Altus Group. And I looked after their international business. Um, they had no competition because there was nobody in that. The prop tech was not a thing 10 years ago. We are going to see more competition in the future. There's no, and actually, we need competition because it's very hard to make a market when you're on your own. It's good for the whole space. Yeah, it's good for the space to have real competition, and we're going to see it. We know the organisations, people in the US, are going to come across the pond. Um, but right now, we're kind of just making hay while the sun shines, I suppose. Yeah, I think that's a great attitude. And it's fact, it's one of the things we do with early stage prop tech companies, particularly if these are early stage founders and it's their first time um, creating a business themselves. Um, you know, unfortunately, our academic studies in terms of competition have taught us to see that as an obstacle or a challenge and not fully understand the opportunities. However, every struggling, every small uh, and new business struggling to scale understands the power of leveraging your competitors it's a it's a really important resource and you're absolutely right if you're the person educating the market it's taking an awful lot of energy a lot of resources um in the way that could be directed into your sales and marketing and, and your delivery and execution pipeline so that's a that's a really fair observation and it's one that i think maybe first time early stage founders don't really grasp um, but it is an important one. But in terms of managing assets, one of the th one of the recurring themes when we speak to prop tech providers, you know, particularly across the commercial space, when they're dealing with portfolio owners, is that I, I, I almost marvel that there's been such a poor lack of understanding of assets up to now, as in the data. So yes, um, there's Excel spreadsheets, but they are so limited. Um, you know, you would imagine even address would be a basic, but actually that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes even the address isn't Absolutely. fully accurate. The descriptions aren't accurate. So obviously the power of any system depends on the quality of the data going into it. How do you rectify that when you're dealing with um, with large portfolios where maybe they don't have a good handle on this? Yeah, it, it, it's a great question. It is a thing we see all the time. We speak to some of the biggest landlords and asset owners in the world, and they tell us that the way that they access up-to-date tenancy information is by, you know, asking their valuers or asking their property managers to send them over the latest schedules. And, you know, that is a big problem. And I think that's why we've seen so much demand for what we do over the last few years is because, you know, especially I think COVID was a huge factor in suddenly these, uh, all of the investors and the asset managers were being asked, you know, what is our exposure to this sector, to that sector, to this tenant? Because, you know, risk suddenly became everything. And so many of them found out they just didn't have the answers. So, you know, our approach to it is by giving them a place where they have, where they can put all of their, their information in a, in a central way. You know, we work with them to help them centralize that, to standardize it, to make sure it's, 
you know, it's timely to make sure it's accurate, to make sure it can be accessed by all of the important, all of the stakeholders that need it. You know, and that's the very basics, right? That's the starting point. And from there, they can do stuff with it. They can interrogate it. They can use it. But the first step is to get it all in one place. Um, I, I, I don't want to ask this question about your clients, but about the marketplace in general. Where do you think um, the attitudes are in terms of tech adoption and understanding the importance of having this information more so than what maybe was thought to be uh, quality information sitting on, on an I Excel think, spreadsheet? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think it's a really valid question. Pre-COVID, I would have said it was, people talked about it, but weren't doing anything about it. Um, I think as a result of COVID, and as Ollie's just talked about, whether we're trying to get risk exposure understood quickly and couldn't, because it was taking three days to get an answer on what's my retail exposure in Frankfurt, for example. I think that attitude's changed quite a lot. And um, I think it's really high on CEOs' agendas now, is that, yes, we have no choice. We can't do everything on an Excel spreadsheet or over a handshake in the bar um, or the back of a phone packet. We've actually got to have a system of record that allows us to really manage those assets in the best possible way, whether that's assets you already own or assets you're looking at. I mean, the fact is, and I'm sure you've, I don't know if you've seen this in Ireland, Carol, but I've never seen so much liquidity in the market as there is right now, which considering we've just had two years, of the most uncertain period of, in our history, or probably since the Second World War, and we're going through another period of uncertainty with what's happening in Eastern Europe. There's a huge amount of liquidity People need to move quickly. And to move quickly, you need good underlying data, whether that's data about the asset you're looking at or it's comparable data about every other asset that's around it, which is what our Coyote gives you, so that you can pick out the best opportunity and move at the best pace to win the best opportunity. I think... Yeah, oh, no, I actually, I was going to just come in on that point there just because um, speed in the marketplace is something that has never really been something that has, has been identified with commercial real estate, except for in the last number of years. So that means actually any products that are feeding into the de-risking process have to be valued. But are, are these still seen as expenses or are they seen as actually uh, opportunities? Is the value clear? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. And I think there's a big gulf. I think, you know, on one side, you've got clients that have now fully understood the value that can be gained by leveraging technology or, you know, and, and ultimately by digitally transforming your business and therefore working out how software platforms can, can help with that process. There are still a, a, a bunch of companies that are, let's say, earlier on in that, in that journey and, and, and companies who maybe are, are trying things out and then they don't necessarily have success. And that could be our platform or any platforms because buying software, signing the contract to say, I'm gonna sign up for Coyote or I'm gonna sign up for anything else. That's kind of the easy bit, right? Like anyone can go out and, and go, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy some software, but that's not how your business changes, right? There then has to be an ongoing commitment to actually put in place this stuff to change your working practice, to adopt the software, to, you know, in our case, 
you know, the most successful clients that we have are the ones that make it part of their day-to-day, -day, the ones that say, right, if it isn't in Coyote, it didn't happen. And therefore, it forces people to change their habits, to move away from spreadsheets, to move away from conversations and say, we're going to put this stuff in a system. And it's only when they have that true commitment to change that, that the digital transformation can happen. Lots of people buy the software, but then they just sort of think that's going to be enough. I mean, it's, it's a bit like... You know, it's clear, Carol, that you've watched the tech market generally for a few years. It's a bit like the challenge Salesforce faced 15 years ago when they sold loads of software and actually virtually all of it churned within a year or two. Huge percentage. Because they didn't, yeah, it was like 85% yeah. churned because they weren't getting adoption. Because as Ollie's just said, implementing software is not a solution. Getting people to use it effectively is the solution and then getting the value that that software can really drive. And we've recognized that through our life cycle. And we now have you know, a strong, committed customer success team, and their job is to help customers leverage the Kaiji solution to get the maximum value out of it, rather than going, there's a piece of software, off you go. Uh, who are Coyote customers? So really, uh, we our, our client base ranges from um, you know, small five-person uh, asset management practices, um, right the way through to FTSE 100 listed uh, prop codes to we've got pension funds and large. Um, yeah, we've got 60 clients who are, I think 50 of them are kind of UK based and then 10 of them are spread around uh, Europe, uh, the US, uh, yeah. So uh, that that gives you some good insights into trends um, across across the geographical spread. So, for example, in you know, whenever we're talking about uh, data and analytics and the value being added, I always try to bring it into as specific as possible for people listening, so that they can hopefully recognize if there's a need within their own organization. So, can you talk to us maybe about how uh, how the data that you're generating and and uh, the analytics, how have they been helping your customers say over the past two years, over the pandemic because it's so difficult to read a trend into such uncertain times yeah absolutely well we already talked about you know by having the asset management data on your portfolio you can answer questions when your investor phones you up very quickly what is my exposure to dhl across europe or you know and that obviously then helps you with your active management it helps you look at risk exposure and things like that but on the other side of the platform you know for acquisition teams with Coyote, if you're logging absolutely everything that you hear about the market, so if Jones LaSalle introduced you something in Dublin and it's an office building that you're not interested in buying at the moment, but you log that data anyway, you can extract leasing comparables, you can extract physical information about the building, and that information is going to give you an edge when you're looking at other buildings. So suddenly, if you're running at a deal um, you know, somewhere nearby, then you've got better intelligence than your competition because not only have you got your market intelligence, not only have you got your agents advising you, you've also got this wealth of information that you're now collecting, structuring and using 
instead of throwing away, which bluntly is what most companies are doing with it. You know, they're getting the emails, they might file them, but they can't really utilize that to go, oh, well, we know this tenant next door is paying seven pounds a foot. And that was as at their rent review, which was you know last year. Or and, and so by utilizing the actual data that otherwise is being wasted, it gives you a competitive edge to move faster than your competition, to bid better prices than your competition, so that ultimately they buy the best deals and they generate better returns for their investors. And that's what it's all about. And that's a really good place for your company to be sitting. Um, because I, I'm just going back to the fact that the software was first developed 13 years ago, but actually um, is a standalone product over the past five years. So you're still in that scaling stage and almost half of that scaling stage, actually more if we take into consideration uh, Brexit and, and, and other factors. So over half of the time of the life of your company has been spent in what would be seen as quite uncertain times yeah. um, globally for real estate. So actually, how has that helped you in terms of identifying new products? So to, um, in terms of Coyote, what are the different yeah. offerings that the service has? So there are the, the, the two core offerings that we think about is Coyote Market, which is effectively about tracking all of the data that you have on any properties, on any tenants, uh, on, on absolutely any market intelligence. And then it helps you with transacting on those on those properties so it helps you with the deal management process what tasks are outstanding you know who do i need to chase to move it forwards make sure that everyone in the business has full oversight on the transactions that are happening and then the second half of the system is we call coyote managed and that is about aggregating data from uh, on all of your AUM. So, you know, if you're a pan-European asset manager and you've got some buildings in Ireland managed by a property manager, some buildings in Scotland managed by a pro you know, a different property manager, and, and, and then some maybe in France, you know, you might have three property managers using three property management systems. And what we will do is integrate with all three of those so that the data is centralized into one place and you have a complete holistic view that then allows you to report quicker, smarter, and, and those sort of things. Um, and, you know, as you see, yeah, the market climate that we've existed in has definitely helped develop those offerings. You know, Bre um, not Brexit, <laughs> uh, COVID was the perfect example because, you know, I I'm not going to lie, like in March 2020, when the lockdowns <coughs> were first announced, it was brutal for us, it was brutal for everyone, but as an enterprise SaaS provider, you know, with a long sales cycle, you know, where we, we build up a pipeline over time, you know, all of our client base suddenly went, well, we need to figure out how we're going to log in from home and how we're going to check emails and, you know, what our investors need. Like, no one was interested in signing multi-year contracts for, for enterprise SaaS. So we knew it was going to be difficult to sign business for the next, you know, three, six months. And so what we could do, though, the beauty of SaaS is it's recurring revenue and they will pay you month in, month out, as long as you don't mess it up and as long as they don't leave. So we turned all of our attention to the 45 clients that we had at the time and said, right, how can we make them more successful? And, you know, we're super proud that over the two years since March 2020, we didn't have any churn during that during the, the core COVID period. And it, we came up with incredible features that we co-created with our clients to then to then help them through that period. And I think the other thing we did, which has proved really beneficial to clients, is one of the things that became apparent, particularly during the pandemic, was any software solution requires data to be entered into the system. 
people had better things to do yeah. than entering data. So we then introduced a service called Coyote Plus, where our clients can send us all their intros, all of them. They don't touch any of them now. And we enter the data, check it, clarify it for um, accuracy, and then just hand it, or load it straight into their system. So they're not worried about data entry. That has been phenomenally successful. Because yeah, actually I, what we've realized is our clients don't want to do that grunt work. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the thing that I, I would love for any early stage startups listening here to really take that on board. There's such, a, there's, um, such value in listening to your customers at early stage and understanding, giving yourself the room and the space to get so much better when you understand your, not just your market, but your customer. Um, just before we finish up, can you maybe talk us through one or two of the features maybe that emerged, um, some of the new features that had to be put in place? So you mentioned there um, the plus feature, which is a great idea doing the data entry. Any other features maybe that were kind of pandemic responsive, but likely to add value beyond the pandemic? I think Coyote Plus was the was the was 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 a big one, um, and and the rest was all was all about was about risk monitoring. It really was all those things that were allowing. You know, we had clients that typically would look at their asset manager reporting as a quarterly exercise, and suddenly their investors were saying, you know, that that's that's not good enough. Like things are moving so rapidly, we need to be able to to do more than that. And so we built out tooling that would help our clients report on a much much more regular basis but without creating the same overhead that's needed quarterly you know on a more regular so we you know we had clients that moved from you know quarterly reporting to monthly and in some cases fortnightly reporting during during that pandemic and you know that in a, in a commercial real estate business reporting is the bane of everybody's life because it takes weeks um and i think that the big thing we focused on which was really important. Oli talked about risk. I think the other side to that is investor confidence was shattered during the pandemic. They had no idea what was happening to their billions and billions of pounds or euros because nobody knew what was going to happen in the marketplace. What Coyote enabled our, our customers to do was to give those investors confidence that they knew what they were doing. Yeah. Uh, oh, just before we finish up, I, I, I need to ask, do you believe that um, investors' confidence was shattered to that extent because that's one of the things that was expected. We anticipated, but did, did it really happen? Because well, we still saw such liquidity and there were transactions happening. Yeah, maybe shattered was a bit, um, a bit ambitious um, or a bit dramatic. I certainly think people were worried about what is going to happen and therefore what is my exposure. So for example, I mean, retail was struggling a little bit anyway, but it died. On leisure as well. Yeah, yeah. Leisure as well. So people wanted to know what's my exposure in those sectors. And they didn't want to wait two or three days to get the answer. They wanted it when they're on the phone. You're right. It, it wasn't shattered, but it was collapsing. Yeah. And they were terrified. You know, no, everyone was, 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 was terrified. And then I think it was, it meant that when the market, when people realized maybe this isn't as scary as we thought for, for, for the asset class, then it allowed um, the people that the investors and the lenders had the most confidence in, you know, they were the ones that then they're going to want to do business with as things are recovering. You know, you're really painting a picture of how actually over the last um, at least half a decade, but arguably longer, we really have kind of lunged from uh, global 
crisis event uh, to global crisis <laughs> yeah. event. And actually, I think de-risking has really become the the value add for not just commercial real estate, um, but all, a, a lot of different sectors within the marketplace that um, de-risking is really where the value is to be had. And we know that data will do this. Um, so what can we expect to see from Coyote over the next half a decade? Well, global uh, domination. Global domination, yeah. Um, we're just in the process, uh, which we'll be announcing uh, in the next few weeks, but we're just in the process of closing a fairly significant funding round for us, um, which is really going to allow us to kind of grow the business to the next level. We're lucky enough to already have uh, a team of 40 incredibly talented people based here in, in London, um, but we want to grow that team to... Uh, in, in sort of a couple of key areas, both in the, on the sales side of the business, but I think also in the in the technology side of the business, we want to double the size of our engineering function so that we can keep working with our 60 clients hand in hand to build a tool that is going to continue to transform the way that commercial real estate firms buy, manage and sell real estate globally. And that's our mission. That sounds really that, exciting. Yeah, the only other piece of that to that is what I'm seeing with my team is a move into there are much bigger players now looking at coyote as a solution we've kind of established a lot of credibility yeah, now and we've got a couple of big pension funds already on the books but we're seeing a lot more large significant players in the global commercial real estate market looking at coyote and i think that's going to be a big shift in the next 18 months uh, exciting stuff. We look forward to welcoming you to Ireland. Um, but that's it. That's all we have time for today. Thank you so much to Ollie Fargo, CEO, and Dave Oates, CRO of Coyote. And that's it from the PropTech Hot Seat today. You can get in touch with the show on social media at iProperty Radio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. My thanks to the Hear Me Roar production team and to Luke Delaney on sound for Dublin South FM. Until next time, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.